But I think since I moved to California, because like everybody's in like, uh, I don't know, in my experience, when before the pandemic, when you could party with people, everybody was on a different like journey in terms of sobriety. So like sometimes you're hanging out with a group and half the group's high, half the group's drunk. And like even myself, where I would switch and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to drink so much. So I'll just eat an edible and go to this event. And you kind of, I don't know. I think there's a, probably an art to it, but like now I feel way more comfortable about it than. I don't, yeah, that's in something the past. I don't think I would feel comfortable with, but that's probably because I just haven't experienced and, it at all. And I also don't get, um, I don't get wildly high. It's like right. basically microdosing okay. inedible to the point where you're like, you could feel it, but not to right. the point where you're like zonked. I can't get zonked anymore. Yeah. That's like not fun. <laughs> I can't have fun anymore. I can't hang. Well, I mean, but I've never, that's not fun for anyone. That can't, like, that's not being zonked. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think people still like, I mean, I'm always, I'm very judgy. If I meet a person who's zonked out, I'm like, Oh, you are in a place in life where you could be yeah. like where you reach zonked out. It's like it's like, like you're from a different world. Right. I don't think that they but I don't think they like if if you were to go to them like two hours later and like said, oh, you could have taken half of what you did. They probably would have said yes. That's my guess. You think so? I don't know. I have like my cousin in Iowa. I was telling my little brother about it because sometimes I give him edibles and he doesn't like the ones I give him, which are like five, which for me is like, oh, I could do that and go out into the world and I'll be fine. If I give that to my little brother, he's like zonked. And so he doesn't like to do the edibles around anyone. If, he, if I give them to him, it's just like he knows he's staying home with his girlfriend. Sure, Yeah. And we were talking about it, though, and he was, like, talking about how he had fives, and he offered them to my cousin, like, oh, hey, you want one? And he was like, that won't do anything. <laughs> like, I'm going to need way more than that. And Jesus. you know, you know that, like, he's getting zonked, but he doesn't, he wouldn't think of it as being zonked. He would think that's just, like, how high you're supposed to get when you get high. No, see, like, I feel like those people have... They need some professional help. <laughs> not in a like, God, that sounds really judgy, but like in a not in the least judgy way possible. Yes. Like you don't like that's not enjoyable. And if you like are thinking that you want to get away from your life and you need to realize why, why do you want to get away from your life? It's a pretty extreme escapism. Yeah. And, and if you really want that, then you need to talk to someone. Speaking of escapism, we're escaping to the gates of hell today, Molly. I am disturbed by that, but okay.
welcome to Sex with Ghosts. I am Bridget here with my ride or die, my true blue, my loyal and trustworthy friend, Molly. Hello, Bridget. And today we are doing the Gates of Hell. I will insert a fun sound effect there. Yeah, what what is the sound effect for the gates of hell? It's got to be like, um, uh, like you know, one of those sort of. Now I'm like, should I find one and play it for oh, you? The only thing I can think of is like metal riffs. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We'll put some metal riffs. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so pretend like you're hearing metal riffs every time I say "gates of hell." <laughs> Uh, but before we get straight into the episode, I just wanted to point out that um, I did over December, a person I grew up with who I believe was in my sister's class, but was in the same extracurricular activities such as marching band and theater. She listens to our podcast and she's listened to several episodes. So I wanted to give her a shout out and a thank you. And that's to Bailey Kelly. Thank you for listening to Sex with Ghosts and keeping us, um, our, listener- our listenership strong in the Midwest there. Thank you very much. And I also wanted to point out that you can now rate podcasts on Spotify. I think this is a very new feature. So if you are listening to us via Spotify or any podcast platform that lets you rate and review podcasts, please, please, please give us that review um, that just lets people know that we have listeners and that we're a real podcast. But now... For the main event, what you all came here for, the gates of hell. Molly, have you ever heard of the gates of hell? Not until earlier today when you said, <laughs> let's do the gates of hell. And I said, I don't know what that is. And then you sort of told me and then I looked it up just like generally, what is this thing? And... I still don't really understand what it is. Um, do you like what? What's your hit? Do you have a history with this thing? This concept? I have heard of seven gates of hell and the gates of hell as phrases. But until I did the research for this podcast, I or this episode, I now have a much more clear, obvious like, oh, yeah, that. Uh, it's kind of obvious. <laughs> I guess I forgot about the phrase gates of hell when you said that because I have heard that. I would assume from religious context or cultural. I mean, gates of hell. Well, let's get into it. They are various places on the surface of the world that have acquired a legendary reputation for being entrances to the underworld. So, this concept goes beyond just um, Christianity and the Western world. It's all over the world. And I'll talk about a couple of these places today. 
but it's like a, it touches a lot of different ideologies where people have decided that there's this place on earth where weird stuff happens. So this must be an entrance into the afterlife. Now I have a question. Would it actually be called the gates of hell in other cultures? Is hell a universal concept in this? I feel like it's not always a Christian hell. I think Christian hell, we assign a certain good and evil behind it that I do not want to speak for these other cultures and say that they have something as specific as that or like there's different ways you can look at hell. I think the most vague way is that it's just an underworld. It's just a world where souls go. Does that make sense? I think so. I think so. I don't want to be too Christian dominant on this concept because we will be talking about um, other places in the world. Well, so would it be more, I mean, maybe we should just be speaking, using the phrase gates of the underworld. Well, then you, you're changing the whole coin phrase. But yeah, but. You I mean, go I on think... Wikipedia and clean up the, the PC language. No, 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 no. But I'm just thinking like the only reason that's the, I guess that was kind of my question, like. Are we saying gates of hell because we are in the United States? If we were in a different country, would we be saying that? Um, I think that is too complicated of a question to <laughs> answer yes and no to. Okay, sounds good. I think that because of trade and relationships that we have with other cultures, we being in the Western culture with Eastern cultures or... I don't know anything that's not a Christian Western way of thinking a lot of times gets diminished to something as simple as hell. But then even within the Western world, there's like their own concepts of like purgatory and heaven and hell. And what are the different, what differentiates the three, some Christian religions say we haven't even been to heaven yet because we're still waiting on the second coming of Christ. So there's too many nuances to give you a broad answer. I accept that. Thank you. Because if you'd like to cut that, please do. And so one of the things that these gates of hell sort of have in common is that they're usually found where there's a lot of unusual geological activity, a lot of times around volcanoes, lakes, caves, or mountains. Uh, We definitely have one today that really doesn't have anything specific like that. So that'll be fun. But these places, like I said, do exist all over the world and they are associated with a lot of different ideologies. So think of hell as just this blanket, boring term. It does not, I'm not assigning any good or evil on it. Got it. More like the way you'd view the underworld in terms of um, like Roman mythology. Sure. But even that I'm sure had its own nuances. So maybe don't do that. I don't know. <laughs> Little fun fact that I thought was interesting is that ancient Celts believed in thin places 
locations on the earth where the distance between in heaven and earth were so close, so close you could look onto the other side. And I know that's true with other ancient civilizations. I remember reading yes. about a landmark in California that allegedly was like that. Yeah. I feel like that's a common thing that people discuss. So what kind of brought Gates of Hell to my mind is that there has been a story circulating recently about Turkmenistan. So Turkmenistan is a country that's post-Soviet in Asia, and it's been in the news recently, and I'll get into why. Um, But to give you a little background about the gates of hell in this country, it's officially named the Darvaza Crater after a village that it's by, which only has 350 people in it. It was formed in the early 70s when the ground collapsed during a Soviet gas drilling expedition. So this formed a crater that was approximately 190 feet uh, in diameter and 70 feet deep. Although I have seen measurements while I was researching this up to 230 feet in diameter. And that's approximately 60 to 70 meters. Um, If you are listening from the UK, which I know a few of you do. So there you go. Some meters. That's very large. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, People claim that they can see it from miles away, but I'll get into as to why they can see it from miles away. So when this when this crater formed, the drilling rig actually f- fell into the crater. And what had happened is that it punctured a pocket of gas, causing poisonous fumes to start leaking at an alarming rate. So scientists to control this leaking, because obviously it's going to be bad for people, they lit it on fire to prevent the spread of the natural gas. And so it's just been burning ever since. So this is about a five decades of this giant crater just on fire. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And that's why you can see it from miles away. Yeah. I don't, I'm trying to think like, is there a different way to contain that? But really there isn't. And that's kind of why it's been in the news. The president, Garbanguli, Berdim Hamadov, and I'm sorry for butchering a lot of words, <laughs> has reportedly ordered the closure of the site, citing that it's a ecological damage and that it's affecting of the people living in the area. Um, so the, he, this is why it's been in the news. He's been trying to end this crater being on fire. Natural gas is one of Turkmenistan's primary sources of revenue. This is a very tiny country that, I mean, tiny in population. I actually don't know the size of of it physically, Um, but basically kind of got wrecked by this collapse of the Soviet. And so when that collapse happened, they began having autocratic leaders. So that's people with absolute power. Uh, one of the funny things, though, about this president, Berdim Hamadov, is that he has 
an incredible um, love of the country's dog, a Turkmen shepherd dog. And he has created a statue, a giant golden statue of the dog. And he is also loves his dog so much that he has written a book about them and presented one as a gift to the Russian president, Vladimir Putin, and established a national holiday in the dog's honor. I feel like this guy's a little bit off, a little bit off. I mean, you're going to want to be if you're an autocratic leader. Yes, yes. And but it it so what I'm reading from what you're saying from what you're saying is that the because natural gas is a source of revenue, what he wants to do is pretty much covered up so they can continue to extract natural gas from the crater or surrounding areas. I mean, that's probably the the real reason behind it. But the one that they're citing is like, oh, we're protecting the people. Yes. And I highly doubt that as we can see from his um, if he Bridget also wrote uh, he's famed for his love of gold and marble architecture. So it doesn't seem like he he has a lot of what do you what do you say? Uh, he doesn't love he doesn't have a love of his people. That's not why he's in power. Yeah, he's recognizing uh, nice things and dogs. And there were rumors of his death. So in 2019, he appeared on the state television doing donuts around the crater to disprove and correct the rumors of his death. <sighs> this is a frustrating story. It's the perfect present for the gates of hell. So I don't remember I, when I when I briefly looked it up before this episode. It's I think I read something that said like Turkmenistan actually uses the gates of hell as like a tourism thing. Yeah. So like probably is their largest source of tourism is taking people to this crater. Otherwise, no one's going to Turkmenistan. Right. And then so it actually seems like a bad idea to close it in a lot of ways. But it can't be, it really can't be good that much natural gas going into the air. I can see that, but I have to think that you can't just cover it up. Like, is there, is it really that easy or is it just going to fail? I mean, I don't think it's that easy at all because, because when he gave out the order that they needed to cover it, he gave the order to the prime Min- deputy prime minister to gather scientists and if necessary to attract foreign consultants and find a solution for extinguishing the fire so i i think it was just like one of those we'll light this on fire for now got put off i see started becoming a tourism destination point and now it's just like, what the fuck are we doing with this giant crater in the middle of the desert? Yeah. Wow. This sounds, this sounds, I mean, to be fair to him, this is a complicated story, it seems. Yeah. So, I mean, even if he's doing it so he can, like you said, probably extract from somewhere else or to stop losing whatever gas that they're losing, 
it still can't. It, I mean, it's probably one of those things where it's just like it also can't benefit the people to have that overall. I would think it's got to be bad, but I don't know. If you're a scientist listening, email us. Let us know. Yeah, because my first thought was, oh, having the fire burning is bad. But then I was thinking, no, usually the why a fire burning is bad is because it's emitting because you're like burning something carbon based and then but a natural if you're burning natural gas that can be good well yeah i mean it's probably better than burning coal but i think we have to find a scientist for for us for this scientist hit us up yeah scientific correspondent so another interesting gate of hell I found was in or is in Hellam Township, Pennsylvania, or the Seven Gates of Hell. Now, why would it be? Um, why would it be called the Seven Gates of Hell? Oh, I will tell you why. Oh, okay. So this area is a wooded area off Trout Run Road in the northwestern part of this township. And it was founded in 1739. It's considered a little backwater in the corner of York, Pennsylvania. Hellam Township is reputed to feature seven remote gates, which when passed through in the right order will open up the entrance to hell. Okay, I see. So there are multiple places. And you have to go in. But they're all like next. They're like right next to each other. And I'll give you more details about them because there are two different origin stories given for their existence. The first one is an insane asylum. So it's rumored that during the 1800s, a large mental asylum was constructed around Toad Road. Terrible name. uh, Away from the normies. And supposedly really sick and terrible people with criminal records were kept there, like the murderers and the rapists, because I guess at some point we must have believed in rehab versus prisons, but somehow I doubt that. Yeah, that's um, strange. And towards the end of the 1800s, there was a terrible disaster where a mysterious and aggressive fire broke out in the asylum. And because of the remoteness of the asylum, firefighters couldn't reach it in time to save the asylum. So many of the patients were burned alive while a few others managed to escape. So when they escaped, the police and I guess the townspeople and the firefighters decided to create a perimeter around the fiery ashes of the asylum, intending to capture any escapees peacefully, but allegedly it resorted to a lot of violent means to get these escapees back into this ashy perimeter. Totally normal place you would keep people after escaping a fire. Damn. Um, Stories tell of the insane patients attacking those looking for them. And in turn, searchers became hunters. 
finding, feeding, and killing the patients to prevent them from reaching the town. Eventually, with a number of patients on the loose, the police decided to close in and building these iron gates around the perimeter. And so allegedly seven gates were built around the remains. And at every gate with the distance closing in, the police found more of the escaped patients. So what the police and citizens didn't realize is that the construction of the gates prevented the souls of the dead from passing on to the other side, forcing them to be trapped for eternity in the remains of the asylum. A legend says that the evil in these souls caused a rift that allowed for hell to open and the gates preventing anything from being let out. Okay. And the location became notorious for the actions taken by locals that they had to change the name to Trout Run Road in order to hide this horrid history. And now there's lots of questions here. <laughs> lots and lots of questions. I can't imagine building iron gates. Yeah, they had time to build the iron gates while they're catching escapees. Yeah, what? <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. I love that these are the details to the story and that the story has survived this long with those details. Like people just like, yeah, iron gates, man. Iron That's what gates. they would do. Build iron gates. There was no Home Depot. There was a farmer just sitting there with iron saying, put me in coach. They were like, yes, now is your time to shine. Build us some gates and fast. Okay. I'm glad that you find this equally as ridiculous because I was like, wait, Am I just missing something or is that really true? These are the stories hillbillies like to tell. <laughs> and I imagine it's got to be pretty close to like literal hillbillies, right? Because you're right next to like yeah. Appalachia. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So the other famous explanation for these seven gates is the doctor. And allegedly... An eccentric local doctor, this is in the early 1900s, decided to erect a large gate at the entrance of his property. And people started speculating that he also had other gates in his yard uh, beyond leading deep into the woods with something mysterious and hidden at the end of the road. And so people were like, these gates were part of like something that only an insane man understood and could encrypt okay it's less interesting story there sure no one gave this guy any details like was he married do you have kids he just had a huge house in a weird gate so these are now that i'm thinking about this this is very much like staircase in the woods kind of situation yes i thought that too which was another reason i was like oh i'm loving this i see i see Huh, this is a this is an interesting one. Very strange. So the actual gates, it is said that the first gate is the only one you could see by daylight. And it lies on private land just off the town's trout run road. The other gates do not become visible until nighttime. They say if you pass through all seven, it'll take you straight to hell. <laughs> but it's said that nobody has ever passed gate five and returned to talk about it. So they're like, at, something happens at gate five where you just disappear. Well, well, um, is there, so 
you can only so you can only see one if you were to go. Mm-hmm. That's kind of uh, but but presumably the story came about because someone passed through one gate and then saw some other gates. Yeah, that would probably be my guess. And oh. knowing these like weird town things, like somebody passed through all seven. Right. But then they go missing and they're never found again. Yeah, because they were probably like a train robber. And they were like, we can't go back to that town. Oh, that's a strange, just such a weird story. So the real facts of the matter is that there is no proof that an asylum ever existed. And the local doctor only had one gate to keep trespassers out. Okay, so there really was a doctor. There was never an asylum, and people didn't like this doctor, so they invented a terrible story about his property. Yeah, it was probably like some ethnicity that was not fashionable at the time. That's uh, that's very strange. There's also a rumor that Helm is called Helm because it's named for hell, but that is also false. The name of the town actually comes from Helm. England. So it's just people moving to America and saying we're renaming everything the same as it was in England. That's kind of what I assumed to be the case. And then I think with the name, then people would, whoever wanted this story to be real or whatever, would obviously cling to that kind of thing. Why do you think it's called Hellum? And it's funny, too, so the official township has a website, and they tell you a little bit about this tale, and then at the end, in, like, bright green, it's like, just to know, this area is private property. Trespassers will be persecuted. Sure. Yeah, because I bet there's a few people out there who would make bad decisions. Oh, bunch of, like, high school kids. Yeah. And then... If that's listed online and you're in high school, you're like, well, gotta go. Um, and then supposedly because of all of the people trespassing around the properties there, owners have taken down like most of the gates. <laughs> so oh, they don't get <laughs> that's funny. That's like, uh, I don't know. But I guess if it's really mystical, it doesn't matter if there's a physical gate or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So for the final gates of hell that I have for you today, Molly, I have Fendu, China. So this is a city that has been around for nearly 2000 years. It became a reputation as a place for dead people during the Tang Dynasty, which is 618 to 907 AD. So the origin is allegedly about two men, Yin and Wang, that arrived in this area around the time of the Han Dynasty, which would have been 206 BC to 220 BC. They were Taoist recluses. It said that while in this area, they became immortals. And so they created a term after these two men, which mean king of hell or king of darkness, and that term is yin wang. So this is one of the most famous Taoist burial grounds 
in China. So what does that mean? What does that mean? I assumed it meant, as, as I'll talk more, there is a lot of Taoist-related like shrines. There are dioramas. There are sculptures. Everything is related to their concept of the underworld or hell, or as they may call it, Diu and Neraka. Okay. So all the structures in this area are kind of dedicated to the afterlife. Sure. That makes sense. So I would imagine in my thoughts, on my thoughts, uh, the people of that area were generally Taoists. So they were buried there. They were buried there, like but also they, like, oh, oh, what were you going to say? Well, did they bring people from outside the area to be buried there as well? I would think so, because okay. everything in this culture is like dedicated to death. I see. From my understanding. And I could I be see. really wrong. If I'm really wrong, please email us. But from my understanding about reading about Fendu, because Fendu literally means ghost city. Oh, okay. So do people not live in Fengdu? They did until the construction of the Three Gorges Dam. I think that's the English translation. I don't know what the actual name of that dam is in Chinese. But before the dam was built, there was a town on the shore of the river that had about 50,000 people in it. And then in 1994, they began building this dam. It's a hydroelectric gravity dam. And it didn't go into operation until 2003, but that flooded a lot of the area. So there are a lot of shrines now that are underwater. Sure. And that sounds like uh, Lake Lanier. Yeah. Yeah. It's like even more literal than Lake Lanier, though, because it's already dedicated to death. Yeah. And then you're just adding more Jesus. Yeah, it's. It's like uh, Lake Lanier on crack. Dang. Or steroids, maybe. Steroids. Uh, One of those drugs that get you amped up. (laughs) It's funny because I actually do remember hearing about the construction of the Three Gorges Jam. Oh, really? Yeah, I do. And I don't know why I would have. Maybe college. Were you, didn't you not city planner geography you went to yeah. school for geography oh yeah you know what that actually could be it that <laughs> could be it that makes a lot of sense I feel like that would come up there that would you're right so Fendu, from my understanding does have some moral ideologies tied to it a little bit of good and evil um allegedly according to chinese legend Fen- Fendu is thought of where the devil lives And like I said, it is a large complex of shrines, temples, but there's also monasteries there and the monasteries there are also dedicated to the afterlife. And this is all located on the Ming Mountain. And the river I keep referring to, I should say, is the Yangtze's. Okay. So around one of the temples, there are brightly painted statues that depict visions of hell such as demons eating people and people suffering. 
all the demons kind of have like these interesting characteristics and colors, such as a, one demon has like three toes and then there's blue demons and there's red demons and there's green demons. Now, before we go too much further, is it possible you're like, is it definitely demon or could it be more in the sense of fairy? Oh, when you put it that way, I would say from what I know about fairies, I would say a demon is a fairy or yeah. is a djinn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, these demons that are eating people and are different colors and have interesting characteristics, we're not talking Christianity. So I guess I would be more inclined to compare it to more like a djinn creature than like a Christian God demon. And I think it's interesting to point those things out because we do relate things a lot back to like a, a Judeo Christian centric point of view, because that's the way in the Western world, we've all been like programmed to look at this stuff, I feel like. And so it is interesting that you ask that. Yeah. There's also a giant face that's like carved into the hill that's called the ghost King. And it holds a Guinness world records title title as the biggest sculpture carved on a rock. What? What? Bigger than our Rushmore or crazy horse. (laughs) I want to look this up. Biggest sculpture on rock. Yep, you're right. Dang. Does it have the feet listed? Because I only have the meters for some reason. Looks like 656 feet wide and 715 feet high. Okay, so I in meters, I have 138 meters tall and 217 meters wide. Huh. I would assume it's the same thing because it's on Mount Meng. Yeah, I don't know why. I said hill, but I think part of that is like the translation. You know, yeah. hill mountain. Sure, sure. Um, I just want to see, just for the um, audience, how big is Mount Rushmore? Or does that not count? Why wouldn't it count? Well, is a sculpture in a rock? Yeah, but is it part of the ground? Is this is the face ghost king? Like a separate, no, it, no. okay. It's got to be like wherever there's carving. Okay, okay. That's what I would assume, but. Because then you could just put a statue on a rock and say like, I have the yeah. tallest statue. Right, okay. So, no, this does make sense. Uh, just for the record, George Washington's head is 60 feet tall and 18 feet wide. That's it? Yeah. Well, that's just one head. So then you do four, but still the... That's still less than... Go, yeah. yeah. One more. I want to look up the crazy horse sculpture because I recently heard that it was finished, which is weird because it had been unfinished. Oh, South Dakota. Isn't that South Dakota? Yes. So this... Okay. It was planned... This one was planned to be 641 feet 
in length and 563 feet in height. So that's kind of, it would be similar. Yeah. The whole, that whole thing just like wigs me out. The American carving into the mountains. It's just, I get wigged out. <laughs> it's like sure, a it's, weird flex. Oh, hey, a, we stole this land from some people. Yeah. Now we're fucking it up. It's a weird, it is a weird flex. So some of the most popular landmarks in Fendu or the city of ghosts, they all have names that reference the afterlife. And I'll tell you a little bit more about them. So we have the last glance at home tower. The structure was built in 1985. So that's pretty recent. It commemorates the site where spirits are consigned to hell, could take one last look at their families. Wow. Dark. It's a dark. Even for 1985, we're going to build that. They're really like investing in the tourism, I think. Well, that's why I'm thinking like, is it really that dark then it feels like maybe it's not like i feel like maybe my in my mind it's like darker than it really is supposed to be i think and again i could be really wrong so i'm sorry uh but to me and what i know about like chinese mythology it feels more like a like a matter of fact like oh yeah that some people are evil. Some people are good. Okay. There's like a, a like a universal acceptance for bad things, I feel like. Okay. And I feel like in, in opposition of that, or maybe to sort of my understanding of modern Christianity, especially if bad things are happening, it's because you are bad or you're in cahoots with the devil. Like to me, it feels like with, modern Christianity, it's like you are proactively trying to be bad. And my understanding of like Chinese culture is like, it's more natural than that. Like some things are bad, some things are good, but it's like, not like you don't have a control to change, but like a lot has to do with your natural state or your, like there's a, a, a nature part of it. Does that make sense? I think it does to me. Okay. I mean, I don't want to um, obviously say I understand Chinese culture in any sort of complex ways. This is just, this is just my observation of, sure. yeah. of Chinese culture. In the Chinese vision of the afterlife, the dead must undergo three major tests to enter into the underworld. And there are landmarks or locations within Fendu dedicated to this. Wow. When they built these places, it's like totally intertwined with the story. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's almost it. There actually is like within this area, you have like all these like really ancient structures and then you have more modern stuff where like you can go to a like a theme park haunted oh. house. Oh no. It, like there are some modern like elements to it and play into the allegory. So it's kind of like visiting um, Notre Dame. If it had a roller coaster uh, is my kind of understanding of it. That sounds real crazy. Like there's this very old, well-held 
history and then there's like oh we're making money from tourism so let's like beef it up a little bit so another one of these locations is the nothing to be done bridge this was built during the ming dynasty and the bridge connects the underworld with the real world and there is a testing point for good and evil according to the legend the bridge is composed of three identical stone arches. The middle arch is used for testing people. Now, depending on your gender, age, and marital status, there are different protocols for crossing the bridge, of course. And below the bridge are square-shaped pools of water. They say, virtuous people will pass over the bridge without any obstacles, and villainous people will fall into the pools below. The other two arches are called the golden and silver bridges, respectively, which I guess must be respective to like their appearance. And when preparing to leave, visitors are encouraged to pass these two bridges because according to local superstition, this will bring them good fortune. This is so fascinating. I feel like we are missing a lot of context, though, because we don't understand Chinese culture in a lot of ways. Is there something um, like you'd want to know more about or do you feel like we're missing a little bit? Well, yeah, I just or what I stands think, out to you, I guess. I, it seems like the question I would have is because it seems like when it was built in the Ming Dynasty, it looks to me like it was built as like a real world example of something that they believe happens in the underworld do you know what i mean like it's not it's not like they think that these bridges are they're not literal yeah yeah with allegory in mind right yeah i right yeah i would agree with that i mean the, the ming dynasty is 1368 to 1644 ad at this point in time china would have already been known for its trade expansion to the outside world that established cultural ties with the West. So in Western culture, it's very obvious that it's very much built on constant allegory, like go to any old church. Yeah. I mean, ancient church. I mean, you know what I mean? And it's just like constant pictures of like Jesus and sadness. And I think, and that goes back to even about this time in Western culture and before. So I feel like you would already have that relationship. Be like, oh, that's what you guys are doing. Ooh, right. Do some yes. of that. And maybe that was obvious to our listeners. And I apologize if I just stated the obvious. But I just wanted to like get my wrap my wrap my brain around it a little bit yeah. more because it's, it's like because at first I was like because it was built so long ago that it's like was that some sort of actual thing. But I, I'm thinking that it's really more of, yeah. If it, I mean, if it was like Stonehenge old, then I don't think we'd have any way of knowing if it was right. allegory or literal. Uh, but I think, given that it's more recent of ancient history, I don't know, Ming Dynasty considered ancient, but no, I wouldn't think so. I, I would think that would be more modern. <laughs> Yeah, so we're in a time where, like, allegory is, like, you know, 
the prelude to TV in books. Yeah. 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 Okay. I get it. I think I'm getting it now. So our next landmark is the ghost torturing pass. It is the second test before entry into the underworld. It is said that this is the place where the dead report to Yama, the king of hell, for judgment. In front of the structure, there are 18 sculptures depicting ferocious demons. Each of these devils is quite lifelike, creating a feeling of true eeriness. I would just like to say that, yeah, and I hope I don't sound like an idiot, but Yama is different than Yin Wang. Yeah, I didn't mention it, but from what I was reading, it seems like as time has gone on, there's a lot of different influences into this. So like Yama and I could be off, but I believe Yama is more in Hindu and Buddhist mythology. And Buddhism is also over time has become an influence within Fendu. I mean, you have the Taoists, you have Buddhism, you have Confucianism, Confucius. I think it's just Confucianism. There we go. Um, So we're talking about like, I'm sure the origin probably was more strict Taoist. And then as time and trade and popularity of other religions grew, it was like, oh, we can throw all these references in there now too. And then from my understanding of Chinese religion, it's a little more chill than American Christianity. Like American Christianity, it's like you're a Christian and nothing else. And my understanding of the way Eastern people look at religion, it's more like philosophy. So you can be a little bit of everything. Like no one's going to, as far as I know, you're not going to be spurned for holding multiple sort of religious thoughts. Right. And I think that's probably why we in Western culture call use that distinction as it is a philosophy because you can hold multiple philosophies as opposed to a religion. Which is, I mean, whatever. A problem with Americans and religion. Sure, <laughs> sure. I just want to make that clear. Well, because- yeah, because like, but I think that if we were like being honest, if Christianity was a philosophy, I think we would be more accepting of it. The problem is that when you make it a religion where you have all these things that don't actually match up with the philosophy of Christianity, (laughs) you have a problem. So the last landmark is Tianza Palace. Having over 300 years of history, the palace covers nearly 2,908 square yards. That's huge. That is. I have been playing a video game, Planet Zoo which you build the zoo. It's great. But now I have <laughs> now I have a lot better idea of what 29,000 <laughs> 2900 square feet is. It's definitely big enough to house any um, of the animals in planet zoo. Oh, that's funny. I was just going to ask. How big is your zoo? 
Oh, it's big. I mean, they're pretty big. I'm right now. I'm just going through these scenarios where you're supposed to do something and then you achieve it and you move on. (laughs) So in the palace, it has a gate that is an archway made of wood and stone rising to the feet of nearly 33 feet. The palace is considered the nerve center of the scenic area, and it is the oldest and largest temple on Ming Mountain. This is where the third test happens to evade hell. It takes place on a large stone in front of the gate. A ghost must stand on the stone with one foot for three minutes, and a good person will be able to do this while evil cannot and will be sent to hell. That's kind of insane. Just to be clear about it. So this one's an actual gate. And then the last one was more of a bridge. And you have the last glance tower, last glance at home tower. That's where you look at your descendants and say, I'm leaving you. And then none to be done bridge, which is a bridge that connects the two worlds. But yes, you do. By walking across, you'll be tested. Oh, I see. With obstacles or without obstacles. If you make it across, there's no obstacles. If you're bad, there'll be an obstacle that'll cause you to fall into the pool below. Then there's the torturing pass, which is a second test. And it has to do with, I guess, whether or not you're being tortured by the demons along the pass. And then we have the palace, which is stand on the stone time. Wow. This is fascinating. And so that is uh, Fendu. So those are three gates of hells I have for you today, or 10, or actually nine, if you count all seven in Helm, Pennsylvania. Sure, sure. I, how, do you, how do you feel about these gates of hell? Uh, do you have any idea... You, I think we have, I think we both have different perspectives coming from Christianity, but I, in my, in my history, I never really uh, learned anything about seven gates of hell. Did you? No, but I think there, there's some weird Catholic stuff. That's what I would assume. So I'm sure there's like a weird um, crossbreed of like some sort of paganism and old Catholic stuff that's like somehow these are all related because and they say that because of purgatory like you I'm guessing in most Protestant branches there's no real concept of purgatory but in Catholicism there is and the concept of purgatory is so one convoluted (laughs) and complicated because it was just like a literal spiritual gatekeeping to like get people to pay yeah the church more sure. money so it's so messed up that there isn't like uh i don't know there's i guess i'm just saying like if if the concept of purgatory exists i would not be surprised if at some point they were like talking about different gates of hells that I are supposed s- to represent different things oh gosh we should visit i think there's a place near you that's like a gate of hell Wow. Okay. Or uh, it wouldn't be called 
it's indigenous, so it's not called the gates of hell. Um, but it's an area where there is a a thin line, a thin space between the living world and the dead world. Yeah, the let's see. World of the dead. Not the, yeah, the, the world itself is not dead. It is a world for the dead people. I think, yeah, I think it's Colmas, a San Francisco. Oh, okay. Anyways, those are the gates of hell. I think they're exciting. Maybe I'll look up some more for us in the future. I think we could definitely could cover some more if people are interested. It, but I, this is such a weird topic for me because I just have so many questions. It just it it brings up more questions than answers. It feels like. Oh no! Are you gonna have an existential crisis? No, but that's because I'm not really. I don't really believe in hell. <laughs> <laughs> but it's something to ponder, I guess. Where can people find you, Molly? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MollyMM9. That's Molly with an IE. I've been ed- I've been editing our episodes, so I know that Bridget wants me to plug my business, which is a great idea because people are looking for accountants in January. And it's a great time to contact me at Molly at M3 Virtual Accounting. Yeah, ask her those questions, folks. She is available and ready to answer you. You can find me on same platforms at bridge underscore socket. You can find this podcast on those platforms at sex with ghost underscore. Um, if you'd like to show us some support, give us those reviews that we talked about at the top. But also you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash sex with ghosts. Once we get to 20 patrons, we will start slinging some swag and we'll send you some. True. Bye. Bye.